Well, it's me again this week, and this time it's personal. That sounds intimidating, but we just what I'm sharing today really feels like a bit of a a life message for Becky and me. And um, I must admit, during the worship, I was thinking, "Oh, I wish I wasn't sharing this now," because suddenly it feels. It does feel personal, but the very the message itself is from Song of Solomon, so Song of Songs, chapter eight. It's only it's not even a full verse, and it's this beautiful picture that just who's that coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? That's it from the English Standard Version. Um, who's this coming up out of the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? And it's a beautiful picture which we can see reveals something that is right throughout scripture and is something quite key about the value of the kingdom. It is very countercultural. We're in a culture that loves its heroes and superheroes and you can't pass a cinema without seeing the latest kind of superhero film being displayed and um, a lot of time, I was looking the last few days, a lot of time is put into how you, the main character first appears on the screen. So, and I was, it was quite interesting, don't do it now, please don't be thinking about this for the next 40 minutes, but it is quite interesting of just the, the top 10 best appearances in a movie, you know, and you have Darth Vader and how he first comes in and they, a lot of work goes into how that first, first appearance, the first line, we even have a saying, you know, you never get a second chance of making a first appearance, that that really is important how you appear first. And so this appearance, which speaks to something about the very nature of the gospel, which is, who's that coming out of the desert leaning? You think that politicians have whole teams that are there to design, and what they're looking at is just the, the impression that people get. So photo opportunities and thinking, is there any way this could be misunderstood or be mocked or then look silly? They would not want to appear leaning. It talks about weakness, it talks about dependency, but here it is absolutely something that is key to the kingdom. So, who is this coming up out of the wilderness, leaning on her lover? The Christian message is one where weakness displays strength. Now the wonderful prophecies about Jesus' appearance, you know, suddenly the Lord you desire in his temple will appear. But actually when Jesus appears in the temple, he's as an eight-year-old baby come to be circumcised. The very sign actually that the Jewish male held in their body which displayed weakness which was to show the weakness of flesh. Jesus turns up, suddenly the Lord you appear, will, the Lord you desire, he will appear in his temple. Here he is. Only two people 
recognize him because he appears in weakness. Jesus has a number of first appearances. You could say, of course, the first was that baby, no room, in a manger. And it's the shepherds who get to see him. Not a big Hollywood blockbuster appearing. Now maybe you could say his public appearing was when John the Baptist says, look, there he is. There's the Lamb of God. He takes away the sin of the world. But even then, he comes and he's baptised. John says, I shouldn't be doing this. I I shouldn't be baptising you. He queues up with the sinners. There's the tax collector who's repenting from... And there's the soldier who's taken on board John's words about what a soldier should do. And they're repenting, they're sinners. And there's Jesus. John says, you shouldn't be doing... Now let's do this. Let us do this. For the sake of righteousness, says Jesus. He appears in weakness. And then the gospel that he proclaims, it becomes, Paul says, oh, I know it's, I know it's the power of God for the salvation of all who believe, but he says, it is foolishness and offensive. The gospel, our message itself, it's prone to ridicule and mockery. It looks, Silly and sounds silly. It did in the first century. It is not 20th, 21st century men and women in their education who suddenly found that the gospel sounds a bit silly. First century did as well. It was an offence to the Jew. It was really foolishness to the Gentile. Why would a God die? How can the Messiah be under judgment? This was an offence. It didn't... But to those who believed... It was the power of God, the salvation, appearing in weakness, and yet power. And then we find out that actually, in that same passage in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul is saying, it's not just the gospel, it's just, it's us. Not many of us were, were noble birth and strong and rich. It's interesting, there's a lovely story about... Um, the Duchess, I think it is, of Huntingdon, who says, I was saved by that M in many. Because she was noble birth. She says, I'm so glad it says there were not many, rather than not any. I was saved by that M. Because there I could become a Christian and saved. Paul says, there weren't many of you. Just look around. And the church in Corinth would look around and say, no, that's true. Not many here noble, not many strong, not many rich. God chose the foolish things. He chose the foolish things to confound the world. Who's this coming out of the desert, leaning? It's what's God chosen, the foolish things. That's what he's chosen. That's the way he's chosen them. And then we find Paul even himself finding that that's at work in his own body. At the end of 2 Corinthians, he's had this amazing, he kind of, you can hear his struggles. He's wanting to re- to tell the Corinthians this amazing vision he's had, and yet he's telling it in the third person so that because he doesn't want to be boasting about it. And then he has to say, "Look, this was given to me, and just to keep me humble, God gave me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan, some kind of demonic attack." And he says, "I've had to live with it. I've asked for it to go three times." And then God said, no, my grace is sufficient. 
My power is seen perfectly in weakness. So Paul gets hold of that and says, right, well I'm going to boast about my weakness then. I'm going to enjoy my weakness. If that's the truth, I'm going to live a weak life publicly so people can see that it's the power of power of God's at me, is is at work in me. So this is it's a beautiful picture. It actually speaks to something that is very profound and there's right throughout scripture. David says at one point, he says, is this your normal way with man? When God, David says, I'm going to build you a house. And then God says to David, no you're not, I'm going to build you a house. And your name will always be remembered because a a descendant of yours is going to be on the throne forever and ever and ever. And he will build a house. And there's something of it in Solomon, but the fulfillment of it is in Jesus. King Jesus, son of David. Always known as son of David. And David's saying, but I was, I was, I was a shepherd boy and, and you put your hand on me and is this your normal way? And the New Testament shows, as Paul's saying, yeah, this is God's normal way. This is the way of the kingdom. That the weak come into strength as they're leaning on their lover. What a beautiful picture. We've lived with this. Personally, when we went to Buxton to plant the church in Buxton, that was 21 years ago. And um, we were... We were, Dan's often says that he gives the hint that the kind of pinnacle of human strength and ability is in your thirties. Well we were that when we went to plant the church in Buxton. We were vigorous and energetic. It's the first thing, first time we'd been involved in planting a church. And we were just raring to go. And what was what was very frustrating is we couldn't sell our house, or we'd sold our house, but we couldn't get into the house we wanted to get into in Buxton. And so we really wanted to get the children started in the school at the start of term. And this wonderful offer came from another church in the town, from this lovely, lovely couple. Come and live with us for a month. And so we turned up in Buxton to plant the church, to kind of, if there was anything of our heart that was revealed, of kind of to be the answer for Buxton. It's okay, Buxton, we are here. We came in having to be helped by another church. And it felt frustrating. thought, well, why couldn't our house be ready? And we really felt he spoke, actually, from this passage, I wanted you to turn up leaning. I didn't want you to come in your own strength or even looking strong and it became one of the things for us in the church in Buxton we had a lady there called Eileen Slater dear dear lady I remember her saying as a child I never loved my name she said and then at one conference a few years ago somebody prayed for me and they said what's your name and she said Eileen and they said ah Eileen on Jesus and he said, and as soon as they said that, she thought, I owned my name. And I can say, Eileen on Jesus. And as we're all listening to it, I remember thinking, uh, not for very long. 
I wish I was called Eileen. <laughs> just because I said, ah, oh, just that wonderful sense of thinking. Who are you? Eileen on Jesus. And, and Tim, by the way, I'm very happy to be there. <clears throat> we, <laughs> we felt that call to, this is the way I want you, to, I want you to increase the angle of leaning. Or decrease it. In, lean more on Jesus. Okay. So you're leaning more. Leaning, walking like this, demonstrates that this is supernatural. We are a supernatural people. And people who come among us should not be able to explain everything that's happening without asking the question, and who's that they're leaning on? Sadly, the church has, in this country, has often kind of taken on board so much of the world's values and looks for the heroes, looks for the celebrities, looks for the management ways of doing things. If you do it this way, this way, this way, and this way, you'll grow. Looks, you can go to some churches and you look around and you think, well, I, I can see how this is working. I can see where the money comes from. I can see the gifts. I can see this. Now, we do want to be those when, when we come into prominence. And I believe this is for us actually even as we're praying for and longing for and believing for revival, that there is something of, as the church comes into prominence, out of the wilderness, out of where nobody's seen it before, and suddenly it's coming, but people say, who is that? And then immediately say, and who's that they're leaning on? Because there is no way that would stand up on its own. I want people, I want to be part of the churches that are like that. And you think, there is absolutely no way that would stand up on its own. Except that there must be somebody else there. No one's seen God. No one sees God. But they do see the effect that God has. They can come to our meetings and say, God is among you. They can look and think, I have no idea where all that money came from. I can't understand how they did that. I can't understand how they're doing what they're doing. I can't understand how those miracles are happening. I can't understand this. Who is it that they're leaning on? That's how we were saved. And this could be a beautiful picture of salvation coming out of the desert. How did we come out of that desert originally? Leaning. We'd called on a saviour. We'd repented. We'd believed our faith was entirely on him. We'd lent on him. And suddenly we were coming out of the desert into new life. But it's not just the way of salvation. It's the way, it's then the way we walk. We were supernatural people. It's a supernatural kingdom. Mary says, how will these things be? What a great question. It's a faith question, actually. That's why she doesn't get struck dumb. She says, how will they be? I'm a virgin. And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The Almighty will overshadow you. It's supernatural. It was birthed supernaturally. 
I knew it was birthed supernaturally. How are you walking now? Because the danger is that we learn to stand on our own two feet. We came out of the desert leaning and then we kind of get the hang of it. There's a scary story in the Old Testament. King Uzziah. It's in 2 Chronicles 26. And Uzziah, his name actually means uh, God is my strength. And he becomes a king at 16. Boy, he was leaning heavenly on God at 16. He really was. It says he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Even in that verse, verse 5, you kind of have the hint that as long as he sought the Lord, you kind of have a hint of where it's going. And then we have this huge list from verse 6 right through to verse 15 of his incredible achievements. The towers he built, the army he put together, the um, this wonderful, uh, these engines... In Jerusalem, he made engines invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones. So, you say, wow, I'd love to know what those look like. But this is what he did. Skillful men invented things. He funds it. Jerusalem looks very strong. And then these words. Boy, are these scary words. His fame spread far. For he was marvellously helped till he was strong. He comes to a point where he thinks, actually I'm strong now. I don't need to lean. Don't need to fear the Lord. Don't need to seek him. I don't need his help. But when he was strong, verse 16, he grew proud to his destruction. The story is that actually he steps into something he should never be doing to bring the sacrifice in the temple. And when rebuked by the priests, he becomes angry and God strikes him with leprosy. So his last few years of leprosy. Oh, he was marvellously helped until he became strong. I thank God for when we came into Buxton... He made us lean. I don't think we would have done had we not. We came leaning very heavily on another church and so completely undermined that thinking of well, we were the answer to Buxton and what we were realising God had been in Buxton for some time before us. He knew what he was doing and we were part of the jigsaw to play our part, to play our part and be a blessing to the other churches and along with the other churches to the town. What helped isn't it? I think I don't think we would have seen that. I think we could have said we were marvellously helped until I think there was pride there and God chips away at it. So this has lived with us. When we left Dubai, that was in weakness as well and with some failure. And we would have been reading this book, Streams in the Desert. Um, beautiful book 
and we'd been reading through it, it was our daily reading. We left Dubai on September the 12th, 2015, yes. This book was written, I don't know where, 1927, something like that. The reading for September the 12th is, who is this coming up from the desert, leaning on her lover? I read it. I can't believe it. I said, Becky, you will never believe. And it was just a call again. Really coming out of the desert this time. Out of Dubai. How are you going to do it? Oh, we have a lover to lean on. And we come out in weakness, but safe. And leaning on him. We live with this verse. It challenges those who are beginning to think, actually I'm strong, I'm a mature Christian, I can cope with this. What is there that's facing you in this next month, or that you've been through in the last week, that actually you'd be able to get through if God didn't turn up? That's a scary thought, isn't it? I would just encourage you, lean more heavily. That could be on a whole load of fronts. Sometimes all your sums, your finance, all, ah, this is comfortable now. Well, why not lean a little more and just, you could do something that just means, whoa, unless God turns up, we're in trouble. You're leaning. Maybe just step out to talk to somebody you've never talked to about. Or that person you have talked to and now it's become comfortable, you could just go that bit further. When they say they're not feeling well, could you? I could pray for you. Could you lean that bit more? I do believe God is wanting us to come into the public view, but leaning. So we don't just look like, oh, look at this, wonderful. They know, got it all together. Who's that they're leaning on? Should be the question that's very, very far, uh, close behind. Who's that? Who's that they're leaning on? So it's a challenge to those who are strong or feel strong. It's a challenge to the religious spirit. Because the religious spirit wants to, it wants to give rather than receive actually in the sense it wants to give to God. The Bible says who's ever given to God that he should repay him. Paul when he's preaching in Athens he says about this God that you don't know about, he's not served by human hands, as if he needed anything. It's laughable. Isn't it? He needs anything. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't need our propping up. Our leaning is for our benefit. Not We're not propping anything up that it might fall down. And the religious spirit has uh, this sense of, I am doing something that will really help God. Even begins to think, if I wasn't here, this whole thing might fall down. And the leaning can become almost like, I'm holding it up. You notice this? It's not for me, it's for this. I'm holding it up. I'm ministering. I'm doing something. My gift is needed. When we were in Buxton, the the thing that Buxton's known for is it's spring water. So there's a spring in the middle of Buxton. It just gushes forth water. And you can stand there. You know, we used to walk past with guests. It was one of the places you went to. And so, and this is the spring. And you kind of put your hand under it. And it's always 
18 degrees or something, so it feels warm in the winter. And uh, always that temperature comes from underground. It's not dependent on rainfall, because the water that's coming out fell as rain 500 years ago or something. I can't remember all the details. But there it is, just gushes forward. Wonderful picture of just what a spring does. John Piper, he has this wonderful picture of how do you honour a spring? You don't kind of think, well, this spring seems to like water. I've got some water at home, that dirty bath water. I'll bring the dirty bath water to the spring and pour it in because you seem to like water. That doesn't honour a spring. What honours a spring is you come empty and you just draw much water from it. And we we went through this phase where we thought, well, we'll get some of that water, because you can buy it in the shop for like pound fifty, and you get it free, exactly the same stuff. We'll take a bottle and fill it. And I had this bottle in the back of the car for weeks, it seemed. And I remember one night, just at the end of a meeting, I was driving about, I thought, oh, I'll go and get some water. I'll fill those two bottles we've got. I pull up, and there's a Volvo estate there, and there's a guy with about 25 litre empty bottles of water. And he is just, it's obviously late at night and he thinks nobody's going to notice. And he's filling his water and he kind of feels like I've caught him as I pull up. I said, that's okay, I'll, I'll do it another time. And drive but as I'm driving away, I thought, wow, he is really honouring that spring. He is really, and it's faith. There's no kind of like, I wonder if there'll be enough. He's just brought everything and he is filling it up and taking it home. This, who's this coming out of the desert leaning? It hits at that religious spirit that would say, we're bringing what you need, God. Rather than, I'm empty again, God. Do you feel me? I'm leaning. I'm not propping, not propping you up. I'm leaning. We lean, we need to lean. It's the way we came out with repentance and faith. Repentance and faith are the way we keep walking. We're believing in him. We're trusting him. But it is wonderfully good news for the poor and for the weak. It is wonderful news. But actually it wasn't just that you were saved this way, you can live this way. You can lean on him. That's why, that's why the, the common people loved Jesus. So the religious people who had a problem with him, the common people loved being with him. And Paul says that went into the, uh, the Christian community. Not many wise, not many noble, not many rich. It was people who knew they had a need. So they're leaning. It's wonderful good news for this. We, again, I brought this just because I was thinking and I'd written down and I was right, reading about the, um, the author Annie Johnson Flint who wrote that old hymn um, he giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. And it was a poem actually that she wrote. And 
I was because I was thinking about it because of that new way that we sing it with the chorus lean hard, lean hard on the everlasting arms and I hadn't realised her story she was an orphan she was orphaned as a three year old Um, in her early twenties or late teens she developed arthritis she was she had 40 years where she said she was never free of pain. That she wrote through increasingly crippled hands and um, some of the descriptions of just how things went worse and worse for her are really very disturbing. And it's out of that that she writes, He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labours increase. To added afflictions, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied grace. There's a, a verse that we don't sing, actually, in a poem that says this. Fear not that thy need shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on the arm everlasting, availing. The Father, both thee and thy load, will upbear. Isn't that a beautiful line? The Father, both thee and thy load, will upbear. When our, love, our loving Heavenly Father has, has, has filtered what comes to us, through his loving care he looks not just to our personal strength and resources but his thinking is as I put this on them I will bear the weight cast your burdens onto him he cares for you lean on him so he you might be going through something I don't know if I can bear this anymore Lean hard on him. This is good news. It's why the poor and the weak, who are aware of their own limitations, have always flooded to the gospel when it's proclaimed clearly. And why it's hard for the rich and the strong to enter the kingdom. Fortunately, nothing is impossible with God. And so even, even the rich and strong can enter the kingdom. But it's good news for the poor. I just, I want to call you to lean on Jesus. Harder than you have been. And wonderfully, the Spirit helps us now at moments like this to kind of think what that means. Because I thought, even as I'm mentioning, I mentioned earlier, like, well, giving could increase our we could step out more in our evangelism, we could pray for the sick. I'm just aware those can immediately kind of come as, you feel guilty. I just know the Spirit now can help us in this moment. We think, what would it mean for you to be leaning more heavily on Jesus? It's a faith issue. It's trusting him for what's ahead. Daring to step out in ways you haven't before. 
I believe this is a church, this is a supernatural church. This is only here because God has acted and God has spoken. We're a supernatural people. We're only here because God has birthed something new in us. The power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in us. We're supernatural people. Now, let's not try and just stand on our own two feet. Worth remembering that. We don't want to just bring up our children so they can stand on their own two feet. We want to bring up our children so they know how to lean heavily on their lover, their beloved, who gave his life for them and who holds them in the grip of his hand. Name engraven on their hand as Anne was reading. Your walls are ever before me. We're trusting in him. I just want to pray now. Let's just have a moment. Because I know the spirit applies. I want to stir that desire that we would even be seen like this. That people would say, who are they? And who are they leaning on? How on earth does that stand up? That's true for us as a church, but true also for couples, if you're here as a couple, for families, for individuals. What's it mean to lean hard now on the everlasting arms? His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power, no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Lord, forgive us. Well, we've almost said to you, we'll take it from here. Forgive us where we've we've decided it's too uncomfortable leaning, walking at this angle. Give us when we've pulled back because of mockery, maybe, or fear of it. But I just pray now that you would just be applying this. That we might be a church that leans heavily on Jesus. And individuals who prove you to be this wonderful, strong, beloved that we can always depend on. Amen. Mm. Let's worship and we will respond. But let's begin to worship. And continue to respond. There are things you need to put in in place, decisions you need to make, people you need to talk to. And make the decision to do that now, just as we're worshipping Jesus.